Welcome to the Foresight Health Roundup podcast, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. It is Thursday, June 29th. One more day, and most of us will get a long four-day holiday weekend. How are you going to celebrate our nation's independence? Responsibly, I hope. I'm sure none of our founding fathers would want you to blow off your fingers with an experimental or untested explosive device. Well, maybe. And that's what we're going to talk about on today's show. CMS's new plan to speed Medicare coverage of breakthrough medical devices. To tell us whether this new plan is good or bad for your health and safety are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Julie Merchantson, partner at Transformation Capital. Hi, Dave. Hi, Julie. How are you guys doing this morning? Dave? Well, Dave, I'm in day six at the Gaylord Opry Hotel and Convention Center. It's massive, and it's got these big atriums, and I'm starting to feel like Jim Carrey in that movie Truman, where he lived under a bubble. It discovers it, and I'm ready to come home, man. I'm ready yeah. to come home. Yeah, breathe some fresh air. Thanks, Dave. Julie, how are you? I'm well. Weather report from Seattle is gorgeous and sunny and hot, and no one sleeps much here in the summer. Sun is up for a long time and rises really early. So maybe I'm a little tired. Got it. Thank you. Uh, now, before we talk about this newly proposed Medicare payment policy, let's talk about fireworks. Dave, did you play with fireworks when you were a kid? And if so, do you have any funny stories to share? Well, my story is more ironic than funny. My cousin, Bo Bond, actually lost eyesight in his left eye from a fireworks accident when he was a kid. But that didn't diminish his enthusiasm for fireworks at all. You know, fast forward to when he's an adult and for well over a dozen years, he and his friends put on the biggest fireworks display in greater Omaha. People came from all around to see it. So way to go, Bo. Oh, (laughs) I didn't expect a story like that. So good luck to him. And that's something. Uh, Julie, how about you? Did you play with fireworks when you were growing up in Florida? And if you did, did you accidentally blow something up? Well, I hid from fireworks when I was two or three under a chair, not wanting to hear them. And similar to Dave, my cousin's best friend blew his arm off with fireworks. So I was raised in a little bubble to not really think that playing with fireworks was cool. Wow. Okay, so we're down one eye and down one arm. Yeah, it's big. That's going to make my story pretty sad. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I loved fireworks as a kid. And, you know, we played with them all the time. But here's the weird thing. You know, we would build these models. You know, we spent days building these models, ships and planes and cars. You know, we'd save up money, buy the models, buy the paint, buy the glue, carefully put these models together. And then, you know, minutes after this thing, it's beautiful. We'd blow it into a million pieces. So I don't know. I still don't get it to this day why we did it, but it was great. But you have your arms and your eyes. So it's I all do. Good. I do. Yeah. Yeah, the models didn't make it, but uh, my body parts did. Now, here's another thing I don't get, and I hope you guys can explain it to me. Uh, last week, CMS proposed a new pathway for manufacturers to get Medicare coverage of their breakthrough medical devices. As Medicare goes, so go most commercial health insurers. 
The new pathway is called Transitional Coverage for Emerging Technologies, or TSET. Essentially, TSET would allow companies to work with CMS on Medicare coverage of their novel medical device before FDA approves it for the market. Typically, CMS makes its national coverage determination after the FDA approves a device. TSET is a voluntary program. It would create three benefits according to CMS. TSET would, one, facilitate early, predictable, and safe beneficiary access to new technologies. Two, reduce manufacturers and innovators' uncertainty about Medicare coverage by early identification of potential benefits and harms of the new technologies. And three, encourage evidence development if evidence gaps exist. The process would start about 12 months before an anticipated FDA decision, and a final coverage determination would happen within six months after an FDA decision. The uh, public comment period and the proposal ends on August 28th. Dave, if you're going to submit comments to CMS on this payment policy, what would you say? Who has the upper hand in this healthcare industrial complex triangle of CMS slash manufacturers slash FDA? And if you're a Medicare beneficiary, should you be happy or sad? Well, who comes up with the names for these government programs or their acronyms? You know, T-SET sounds a lot to me like T-cells. And T-cells are the body's most powerful weapon for destroying pathogens. Let's hope there's not a metaphor buried in here somewhere that T-SET will stifle as much innovation as it stimulates. I guess time will tell. But to the program itself, I do like that it's voluntary. This isn't some government overlord coming in and dictating how innovation is supposed to work. Not at all. Uh, The government is actually trying to stimulate the innovative process and the approval process. But just saying that the government is here to help does make me a little bit nervous. But as you described them, Dave, the goals are clearly laudatory, better earlier access to promising devices, reducing approval process uncertainty. And we know that uncertainty is the enemy of business, adds cost, adds time. And then to identify and address evidence gaps, all good. However, this is the government and the government is my favorite source of oxymorons. You know, here are a few congressional resolution, military intelligence, friendly fire, senatorial ethics. Let's add to that list bureaucratic efficiency. What I fear is all the good intentions and so on aside, this will become yet another big complicated process element in getting to the marketplace. And the real question is, can the FDA balance its responsibility to protect the American public with its goal of stimulating innovation? Historically, over the last couple of decades, it's been the big incumbents on both the drug and device side that have had the regulatory muscle to take advantage of these expedited approval processes. Let's hope that's not the case here. Let's hope that the little guys actually get a shot at bringing their ideas into the marketplace more quickly. But I am afraid that this could become the device equivalent of what happened with Autohelm, that crappy Alzheimer's drug that we've talked about a lot in this program. Huge price tag for a drug that didn't do a lot, and we, the American public, suffer from it. In terms of 
what advice I would give. So I guess to your question about who wins, I always worry that the healthcare industrial complex wins. And this may be another example of how that's going to happen. But regarding comments, I would make the same comment I often make when talking about the FDA. They have no cost benefit element in their analysis process. Their mandate is to determine the safety and then secondarily the efficacy of devices and drugs. That just seems ludicrous to me that the FDA and then CMS essentially grant monopoly pricing power to these companies for a new drug or a new device. And if they're going to do that, they should also then control the profitability. They rely, I believe, unrealistically on the marketplace to come up with similar products and drugs to create competitive pricing. That just doesn't happen. So regarding Medicare beneficiaries, should they be happy or sad? The answer is neither. They should be vigilant. (laughs) Right in the middle. That's great, Dave. Thank you. Julie, any questions for Dave? Yeah, Dave. So if you were the FDA or CMS, would you point TSET broadly toward any innovation category or would you narrow it on the country's you know, top cost categories, for instance? The answer would be yes. I would narrowly point them toward innovative diagnostic and therapeutic devices targeted on earlier interventions against the four chronic disease horsemen of death, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and dementia. And the idea there would be to get earlier detection and reduce cost. We know that earlier detection leads to more effective treatment, leads to higher cure levels, leads to longer, healthier lifespans. So my hope would we could we could do both. That's interesting because in the CMS material, they went out of their way to say that this does include new diagnostic tests. Thanks, Dave. Now, Julie, if you submitted comments to CMS on this proposal, what would you say? How would this proposal help entrepreneurs, innovators, and investors? And uh, what are the big pros and cons for patients? Well, this may be a bit of an oversimplification, but this is not unlike what we did with COVID, right? We accelerated the clearance process for vaccines, and we're frankly still and going to be collecting information on how COVID vaccines have performed in several circumstances with all sorts of people. So whether that or add your home or what have you, there's muscle happening here. So for devices, it's a huge boon to this industry. I mean, the state of investment in medical devices has been bleak. And you know, I think a lot of innovation has been focused on how do you develop multiple color variations of the same stent. So, you know, investors are pretty discouraged from allocating dollars towards important but difficult clinical areas, which is not where we want investment to be. And the pace and cycle of innovation has been super slow because of both the FDA's processes and the reimbursement system. And these two behemoths are now going to be more in sync, I think, thanks to TSET. You know, the real world evidence that has been a pillar of innovation, probably for a couple of decades at this point, has been super opaque and difficult to follow for innovators. So this is potentially really useful to build that And today, for everything, frankly, not just devices, it takes forever to get the FDA clearance process. And then it takes a long time to be commercialized in some sort of clinical standard, which is really about the business model of how long do investors and innovators have their money tied up in something that may or may not work. So 
again, TSA is a huge boon. I found a survey that the Stanford Center for Biodesign and the Duke Margolis Center for Health Policy did of innovators and investors and a couple of interesting factoids. Of course, none of them believe that the current pathways are sufficient. And this is interesting to me. I was thinking about how we talk about the pace of innovation and the pace of technology change. And when you really look at what the FDA is built on in terms of people and processes and clinical trials that look at a, a period of time for trial participants instead of longitudinal data and environmental circumstances, you know, is the FDA really in the position to be continuing along the path that it's been? No. So this is a good change. This is not surprising, but reimbursement is the top external factor that drives investors away from the medical device industry followed by the FDA pathway. So the fact that these two reimbursement and clearance are connected is really positive. And back to my point, respondents said it takes an average of 4.7 to 8 years after FDA authorization to really be able to commercialize a product. So we're talking about over 10 years in some cases to really be able to get a product to market in a material way. Yeah, I I did read that uh, Medicare takes an average of five years to make its coverage determination. So Dave, any questions for Julie? Julie, great analysis. And I really do hope the government is here to help. They're, they're certainly aligning the pieces in the right ways in how you described it. So really, really outstanding analysis. So here's my question. Most breakthrough technological innovation originates in early stage companies that get swallowed up by the bigger players who use their regulatory muscle to push products through the FDA's daunting approval gauntlet, which you described so well. So how can we make sure that TSET helps the little guys, the real engines of innovation in getting great products to market? Yeah, you know, it's tough for regulatory bodies like this to start to mess with putting constraints in place around size of company and just the natural ways in which markets move in acquisitions of larger device and you know, life science manufacturers acquiring the smaller guys. This will shift how you think about where maybe that line of acquisition is, because now that reimbursement is being brought so much farther forward, even though it's a temporary reimbursement, it's a good indication, right? And those little guys might Mm -hmm. actually need the broader capital and frankly, the infrastructure to be able to really do what they need to do on the clinical evidence base. So yes, you want the little guys to be there, but it's, it's hard. Great point. Great point. I just say the one thing that I worry about Your question is very valid and it will shift markets. The one thing I really worry about is whether this whole thing is frankly designed, and this would be a very unpopular opinion, but at a hundred thousand foot level, is this about extending life? Like if we're doing this in CMS, it's effectively giving America the ability to write checks to extend the lives of Medicare beneficiaries in ways that, you know, we already do a pretty good job of this on the services side. So I'll be excited about this if Medicare really ends up making reimbursement decisions that are directly related to how we can alleviate the services side of downstream cost of care by upstream device and diagnostics. That'd be amazing. Mm -hmm. If I'm a Medicare recipient, I might have just bought more time in life and I'd be willing to try something that's, you know, tested, but not quite, you know, through clearance. So big pros and cons here ethically, really. That's a really great point, 
Julie, the difference between lifespan and health span. I hope this isn't just pushing devices that keep people alive on machines longer in a really terrible quality of life. But if we can actually delay the onset of chronic conditions that actually kill us and improve health span, that's good for everybody. Interesting discussion. But to me, it's like, and I'm gonna, I'll be the skeptic here, it's like asking someone to taste the soup as you're making it before they'll decide whether they're going to eat it or not. <laughs> you know, what could go wrong? What so, could go wrong? <laughs> never works in our house anyway. So there you go. And again, I'm sure we'll revisit this topic when the uh, proposal becomes final. Okay, let's briefly talk about other big healthcare news this week. Julie, what else happened that we should know? Well, I'm starting to hear murmurs from a number of people in my circles about, are we out of the economic downturn? You know, the Kava IPO doubled on the day of opening, which got people all excited. So I don't know. There seems to be a little bit of optimism in the air, which I haven't been feeling for quite some time. Yeah, arrows pointing in the right direction. Thank you, Julia. Dave, what else uh, should we know about this week? Well, as I said, I've been at Nashville attending conferences. One of them was the HFMA conference, which has hundreds of revenue cycle management companies exhibiting massive exhibit for 4,000 attendees. And so my head, Dave, is still exploding trying to figure out how big the aggregate size of the revenue cycle management market is. I think it actually could be the largest industry bar none in America. Now, just on top of that, and this is an old report from Jeffrey Pfeffer at Stanford, but someone shared it with me this week. Americans spend 12 million, 12 million hours a week negotiating with health insurance companies. Pfeffer calls that administrative sludge. Add that to the aggregate cost of revenue cycle management. And I think we really are looking at the biggest frickin' industry in the United States of America. Drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, people will start saying they want to be a claim denial specialist when they grow up. Yeah. <laughs> that is a scary thought. That is scary. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Julie. That is all the time we have for today. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed on today's show, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. And don't forget to tell a friend about the Foresight Health Roundup podcast. Subscribe now and don't miss another segment of the best 20 minutes in healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.